when we really didn't know anything about the factory floor, we were guys who would come back from the shop smelling like coolant. My wife says I smell like coolant every day when I come home from work. She even says my car smells like coolant. My wife thinks I smell amazing. So too bad for you, dude. (laughs) Hey, Jason, did I tell you that car had its AS9100 stage one audit last week? Yeah, you've been talking about that a little bit. Oh my God, it went super smooth. You know, we run ProShop ERP and our complete QMS is integrated into it. Well, that's one of the great features of ProShop. I'm telling you, we had a virtual audit. Well, you know, everything's virtual nowadays. Everything's virtual. We had a virtual audit, was able to share our screen with the auditor and all the information he requested was right there digitally. We were able to download certain reports right on the fly and email to him in real time. Great. Yeah, fabulous. You know, it truly was a pleasure to have an audit without all those binders and the ability to have it done remotely in real time was just incredible. You know, our stage two is coming up in late February, so wish me well. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do great. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Confident. It will be a seamless audit. And you know, I just could not be happier that I chose ProShop and implemented my QMS into it. It's one of the best things I've done for my business. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jim Carr and Nick Golner. Hello, Jason. Hi, How are you guys Jason. Doing? Good to Good. see you. Good so to we're be back. old school today. We are. Well, we're so, not at our old school place. We're at our new, new school place. Our new and, school and place. MXD. Yes. And Nick, if you don't mind, if I could just talk to Jim for a minute. Yeah, because I was just a seedling. Yeah. So I wasn't Jim, even you, born when you started. Jim, do you remember those first few episodes? The good old days? The pre-Nick yes. days? When we had to drink a bottle of wine before we even hit yeah, the record we button? we did. Yeah. Fun fact for the Metalworking Nation is that I, I can't believe we were nervous. When I put a microphone to my voice, I started sounding like a robot. I didn't know how to talk into a microphone, so we had to drink a bottle of wine for our first couple episodes that we Nowadays, produced. doesn't that seem crazy? It does. It does. So for the Metalworking Nation who hasn't started from episode one, this episode, which is Get Dirty on the Factory Floor, has some context. It's not just some weird episode title. So if we could cue up the old intro... If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. So when I wrote that intro, you know this, Jim, I wasn't thinking about anything naughty, but when we had a voiceover artist put this whole thing together, you wanted to have a woman's voice. I was like, that's fine. She happened to grab that. And she made it sound a little bit naughty. And it kind of took on this like life of its own. I remember some of the initial people we talked about really liked it, but it was genuinely what it said. It was about our experience being on the shop floor, 
understanding how the processes work and getting dirty was that whole and getting of, your blood pumping. That's the part that makes it sound yeah, like a erectile dysfunction. Getting ad. your blood pumping. Yeah, it was all about that credibility that you and I had for producing this podcast. That we were not just like two marketing guys that were starting a podcast when we really didn't know anything about the factory floor. We were guys who would come back from the shop smelling like coolant. My wife says I smell like coolant every day when I come home from work. She even says my car smells like coolant. My wife thinks I smell amazing. (laughs) So too bad for you, dude. (laughs) So the whole notion of writing Getting Dirty on the Factory Floor was nobody knew who we were. You know, like outside of your company and my company. I mean, like... And our small group and of our peers. small group of friends nobody knew who we were so this was about us establishing some credibility with the metalworking nation who was going to listen to us that we were two guys who did understand manufacturing and we wanted to explain to them that we had all these years of experience whether it was you running machine tools and starting out on a bridge port and understanding tolerances and all the other kind of stuff that you talk about with quoting jobs or whether it was me being an expert in cutting tools and kind of understanding that world of metalworking we wanted to establish Establish that credibility with the metalworking nation. Yeah, absolutely. Now we'll bring you back into the conversation, Nick. So Good. you're the, the weather's great. The weather's great. I am the weatherman. So Nick, in marketing speak, this was the notion of demonstrating authority. So like from a marketing standpoint, why is it important to demonstrate authority? Well, why should I buy from you instead of the other 500 industrial distributors? You know, because of your experience producing results for clients. Exactly. No, I got it. Because you have authority. Oh, and I don't even really know too much about your show structure, but it's all about relationships. A lot of it is about relationships yes. and, and about that personal relationship and about how we wanted to establish that personal relationship with the metalworking nation mm-hmm. and they needed to know who we are. Yeah, from another the very kind of onset. Like buzzwordy term is social proof. There you, you know, go. Like, so I think I'm amazing, but does anyone else think I'm amazing? Is there any social proof behind it? And so you have to create some social proof. You know? Is that meaning using it, social media? Could be, but social proof would be like a testimonial or a referral or, oh, or you know, okay. some sort of okay. documented proof from, from your, peers. your social network okay. yeah, of like, hey, you know, you can trust Sanger. He's going to ship on time and it's going to be great. And every business out there needs to establish some kind of social proof, some kind of credibility for what they do. And usually that comes through things like testimonials and just the fact that you have accomplished what you say that you're going to accomplish or people do samples. All these things are out there in order to demonstrate some kind of authority just and think credibility. Like how you shop, like how you shop for what restaurant you're going to go to. You're going to look at the Yelp reviews, how you make a decision on like the 500 different kinds of iPhone cords that you're going to buy from Amazon. Seriously. Well, I'm going to yep. go five stars on that one. So yep. right. it's all just different versions of social proof. I always pick the Amazon choice. The Amazon choice. There Seriously. Yeah, so you're trusting Amazon. I am. I always go by the reviews and I check. Like, do you ever buy a sponsored one where it says sponsored, sponsored, sponsored? I do. I don't. I try not to because I think, what is that doing to my price that they had to pay to get a sponsored listing? Mm-hmm. So they're probably factoring that into the price that I have to pay. I'm paying for that sponsorship. I'll go with the other guy. Yeah. I typically don't even click on those. So there's another notion. So like you could talk about those advertising and let's t- kind of like shift the conversation. So there's a lot of metalworking podcasts out there, right? And a lot of those people have never stepped foot on the factory floor, probably in their lives, or maybe they go there when they visit customers. And there's another kind of term that I thought about related to that. They're having people like, say, Jim Carr 
or myself or Nick on their show, and they're borrowing authority from those people. So they don't actually have the credibility or the authority themselves. So they're borrowing that from somebody else. But one of the things that we wanted to do from the very beginning was we wanted to show that we wanted to demonstrate authority. Now, from a strategic standpoint, that's pretty smart. You know what I mean? And we do both though too. Like we do both. We bring in guests that know things we don't know. Yep. So it's not like we're the expert teaching the audience every time. We bring in some good guests too. Yep. But I hear what you're saying. So to a degree, it's a good strategic move to borrow authority from somebody else. I'm going to bring Jim on my podcast in order to show that I have the same type of authority as him and maybe lift up myself to his point. So why does this matter? So at our core at Making Chips, we're telling manufacturing stories. So at the top of our website, it says manufacturing stories that equip and inspire, manufacturing stories that grow your business, manufacturing stories that elevate your skills, solve your problems, build your community. So if we didn't have the experience that we have, if we didn't get dirty on the factory floor, the conversation would end at the podcast. But if you were to go to a party with us, we could continue those conversations at the party beyond just the podcast because we're not borrowing that authority from someone else. And I think that there's an importance to that that is critical if you're going to establish an audience and be able to interact beyond sustain that authenticity. So you talk about that a lot, Jim. You talk about authenticity. So in your mind, what is that authenticity and why is that important? Because we're believable. Mm -hmm. I've been on the factory floor for 40 plus years and no one's ever going to be able to take that away. Mm -hmm. I have definitely been there and done that and understand that. That's why we call him Dirty Jim. He stays dirty from the factory floor. There is a Netflix show called Dirty John. It's pretty good. Check it out. But anyway, honestly, I can't believe that people are even interested in what I've got to say, but at the end of the day, here's what I know. I know that I've been in this business for my entire career. I know I've learned a lot of things by hit and miss, and I just think it's amazing that people want to hear my stories of being on the factory floor and knowing what I know in my head by working all these years in a family-owned and operated small, closely held company. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of people out there that are doing the same exact thing and it's relatable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you hit on something. In our voices, you can hear it, the authenticity in our voices. There's no camera on our face showing that emotion, but there certainly is in our voices conveying it to these microphones right now. You can't see it right now, but Jim is weeping. Well, (laughs) yes, he's very emotional. But I do get no, a little I hear traumatic. what you're saying, yeah. and, it, and it's true. And then you hit on something else. So, Jason, you introduced to me something like the story brand brand script, right? So, we're a story brand marketing agency as a company, and story brand talks about credibility that you need to have yeah, as an agency. It talks mostly about like when you're telling, like, a, let's say it's a customer success story, right? Mm-hmm. If we were going to produce that for a client, we need to make the client's customer the hero of that story. There you go. Not the client themselves, like. How does that make the client look good? Because the client comes in kind of in their customer story as the one who guides them towards a outcome. And how do you know if you can trust that guide? You need to know that they've actually been through that with you. They have authority, which we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. But then Jim just hit on it. You know, we're relatable. We're like you said, family-owned manufacturing business. You know how many of our listeners have family-owned manufacturing business? There's a lot of us out there. all three of us. That's authority, but then there's empathy. Like, I don't just get how you feel. I've felt how you feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those two elements make a great guide. Right. I mean, 
I'm looking at my thumb right now that happened 40 some odd years ago where I got it stuck in a machine and it removed my thumbnail. So yes, I get it. I've been there. I've done it. You know, many cuts in my life. I used to go into work and get cuts all day long and then go work as a bartender at night, squeezing limes and oh, people's lemon exactly. and margaritas. I know the Screaming feeling. because I had all these cuts in my hand. I mean, I've been there, man. See, I, know, I just I related to that because yes. I was a bartender and when you have cuts on your hand yes. and then you got to squeeze limes, it sucks. It sucked. So authenticity and credibility are important. And one of the things that we keep hearing about is manufacturing is hot. And I think that there's a lot of people who have never been exposed to the manufacturing industry are starting to perk up about it. So I've got a good friend and he didn't have a clue about manufacturing and he just got a job in M&A for a manufacturing holding company. This is a, a very close friend of mine. Never thought that he would be in manufacturing. Doesn't strike me as a manufacturing guy. And he keeps texting me. He's like, I want to talk manufacturing. Because cool. he needs to know a little bit more about the clients that he's going to be prospecting to acquire. And he wants to know what they do. So one of the first things that I told him was kind of like how Nick from Belden Universal, how he got acclimated to the manufacturing industry is start listening to making chips. And the reason that that is a good place for people to start is because we do have that authority and we do have that credibility. We've got that street cred. So what I want to talk about next is, okay, so if somebody is new to the manufacturing industry, maybe that's somebody who's just got a job in HR and manufacturing or just got a job in sales and manufacturing, whatever it is, how do they get acclimated to our industry in a manner where they can build up the, that authenticity? Now, this is a sliding scale. They can They're come and work for me in, in shipping and receiving and see it for a couple okay. months. Okay. They'll get a quick snapshot of what it's all about. I was going to say the first one is, would it be to listen to making chips? Well, yeah, they could do that. Then. Okay. What if this is somebody that already has a job? They can't really like, say, well, I'm going to take a week off or I'm going to take a year to work for a car machine and shipping and receiving. They need to come. They need to shadow us at least for a couple days to okay. see. I think shadowing is a very impactful way to immerse yourself into the industry. So get out on the shop floor get on the and shop shadow floor. a machinist. Exactly. Okay. We actually ask our agency employees who don't actually make chips, but they describe it and they talk about it. We have them go work at Jim's shop for a day. Right. Or two or three or whatever the case may be. But yes, and that short stint does give them a little bit of knowledge about what's really happening. Yeah, but think about it though. Like even in a day, like your brain just explodes. Now you can, you know what to look for. You know what it's, Old, you know, you probably don't know how to do a ton, right. but in one full day, you get a lot. Yep. I think shadowing behind a machinist would be very powerful. What else? How about going to IMTS? So that's yes, a really that would good be one. really good. Or going to other local trade shows. Especially if the goal is to Especially get someone IMTS. excited, you know, yeah. that's where they really show off. For sure. So like, if you want to get your kids into it, bring them to a trade show. Those are pretty yep. fun. I agree. I think shadowing, I think there's another important thing that you can do while you're shadowing is asking a lot of questions. So if you remember back to when we had our friend Sarah on making chips, yeah, you yeah. know, she's really... Oh, Sarah, a, the tooling woman? Yes. yes. Yeah. So Sarah she, Hi, Sarah. So she's really taken herself from being a very much a newbie in the industry to becoming an expert in, you know, the tooling. When we had her on, she worked for a company called MD Tooling. Right. Okay. And this is how our network grows, right? Now she has expanded and she works for a group of industrial manufacturer representatives. Oh, I That's did right. not know that. She's a manufacturer. Yeah, Coast now? Industrial. Oh, I did not know that. And we're working on a couple projects. So that's pretty cool. That's very cool. What she says, her secrets to success is that she likes to ask questions. 
And I think that that's one of the things that anybody that's not involved in the manufacturing industry right now, who's maybe new to it and wants to build up that credibility, they need to ask a lot of questions. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Because I think people in the manufacturing industry, if there's one thing about them, they like to show off and they like to talk about everything that they're an expert in. Yeah. And then we actually did an episode on imposter syndrome, which like the worst thing that can happen is where you always feel like you're an imposter, even when you're not. And right. you're afraid to ask questions because you don't want to expose you your ignorance. Yeah. Like you said, in this industry, people want to show off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's the people who are really experienced. They know what everything's called. They know all the lingo. And so that you expose yourself as maybe not knowing what something's called or not knowing how to do a certain process or whatever it might be. And you're kind of like, oh, these veterans are going to look down on me. And so you maybe don't ask questions. You feel like you're an imposter. Right. Well, look at the people who have tons of success. People like Sarah, they didn't worry about that. They just asked questions. They asked relevant questions. They got their answer, and now they don't have as many questions. Right, exactly. Now people are asking them questions. I think, too, you have to have a passion for the industry, too. True. Very true. If you're going to be successful in this industry, you not only have to know the lingo and have authenticity from the shop floor, but you have to be passionate about it. Whatever that is to you or you or me... But you have to feel some kind of... Yeah, I don't really care how much you know if you don't care about it. Right, exactly. You you can know all the answers, and if you don't have passion, it's like, I'll go listen to someone who does. So what do you think drives that passion, though? I think it's different on the person. Well, I think, you're asking I the think for questions. us, I know what it is for me, but yeah, go ahead. Like, well, I think I know what it is. I'm not going to say what it is for you, but I think all three of us have this in common where... This is our family business, you know? Yeah, that's a big one. This is our kind of professional legacy that we're creating, right? Yes. And yeah, you want to build something that's going to be great for many generations. Hey, Jason, you know manufacturing is just booming right now, and we are all struggling to find machinists. Part of the immediate solution is to be more strategic in our machine production. This is where Amper Technologies' monitoring system really helps us out. It identifies trouble areas on the shop floor by giving us real-time insight of the chip making of each machine. In just a few short weeks, we've got metrics to start mitigating that downtime, and that's smart manufacturing. Check out Amper at amper.xyz. I know for me, I think that there's something to be said about helping to build a tangible product. So when I went to get my MBA, I was literally the only person in that classroom who was involved in manufacturing. And the professors that I dealt with were fascinated by the fact that I was in manufacturing. They're like, really? Look, he's made something. You get involved in making things? I'm like, yeah. And I think that there's something to be said about... We're going to you know, study him. Yeah. There, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, there's we something to be one. said about, I get involved in making aerospace parts. I get involved in making parts that go into outer space. I get involved in making medical parts. I get involved in making parts for the cars that you drive. I mean, mm-hmm. not everybody can say that. And I think that there's something that you could be proud of yeah. when you're doing that. So the fourth thing that I was thinking about that could bring you that credibility, bring you that trustworthiness so that you could be that guide and be that person that has authenticity is to really focus on a niche. So look at something where you can be the expert in there. Even if you're never going to be the expert, if you could focus on having something to talk about where you're really good at it, focus on that. Like, right. don't try to be everything to everybody. You can't. If you do that, you're going to drown. Mm-hmm. You really will. You're going to drown. We're interested in topics and then we're not an expert in it. So we bring in an expert. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Well, we borrow that authority. Exactly. You know, I think you have to stay in your lane. You can't be everything for everybody. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I believe Car Machine has been 
being able to progress to the next level is because we stood back and looked at the company objectively and said, listen, first of all, where do we want to go? Like you always say, plot your future, yeah. plot your future, plot your vision first. Mm -hmm. Where do we want to go? And where are we at now with that? Are we completing that by 65%? Are we 65% there? Are we 80% there? You know, what do we got to do? And then you have to stay in your lane because it's very easy to get distracted. It is. There was another great word that I was on the tip of my tongue and I forgot, but it's very elusive to get pulled in in other industries and not stay in your lane or something that you're not very familiar with. And anytime you do that and you go to a place in your business that you're not really sure of, there's a really big risk involved in not making money or failing. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay in your lane and not waver too much. Mm -hmm. Going back to a friend of the show, Brian Panic, who's been on the show, one of the things I remember talking to Brian about, and I don't know if this is still true, he recognized that he wasn't going to be the guy that was going to be an expert in machining. Right. But what he decided was he was going to be an expert in robotics. Right. And he really got into that and that became his thing. So like, even if you're somebody that's new to the shop and you're not going to be the guy that's on the shop floor and you're not going to be the guy that's going to be helping machining parts or quoting jobs, be an expert in something. Find that niche that you want to be the go-to person and really develop that knowledge. And I think that's something that will help you. Even You don't have to have credibility out on the, like, the entire shop floor, but just to have credibility in something, I think is really going to help developing that trust. And then you can have credibility, but how are you getting that message out? How are you dis demonstrating, displaying your credibility? And this right. is where Jimmy asked me earlier, does social proof have to do with social media? Well, maybe. Because mm -hmm. how are people knowing that car understands aerospace machining? Like, how do you get that message out? What channels do you use? I think a lot of times we got a ton of super smart people in this industry that don't really show it. Mm -hmm. They don't really show it. So no one really gets to see, man, that guy could really solve a lot of my problems because he just lives in his little box. You right, know? right. Well, the reason we can't show it is because it's proprietary. You know, I'd love, they'd love to show the world a lot of the parts that we make on our shop floor yeah, and, and our I'm five not saying like, machines, but we can't. It is disappointing that we can't. And of late, I've been, we're just making beautiful parts on the shop floor. And I feel bad that I can't share these with the general public through social media, but I can't. So, yeah, but there's other ways for you to demonstrate yeah, that authority. Yeah. Everything from the little ITAR AS9100 logos that you put on your site right. to just kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. those stylized photos that you share yeah. that don't really give away what the part is, but it's like, oh, well, Yes. You can yes. only do that I, I try on my best. a certain type of machine. Okay, so here's another point where you can increase your credibility and your trustworthiness. I remember a couple of years ago, Nick, you were really excited about getting your CM... CMTSE, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you really You got, got a little badge along your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. And you went through this I'm course. There. You went through some education. It's not super easy to pass, you know? It's like Why? passing the bar or passing the... Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far. LSAT. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's not that hard. But there's something to be said about getting that third-party credentialing in order to establish credibility. Yeah, now That's I, the reason you got I it, right? I asked my guys to get it too, right? So the reason is this. If I'm selling medical equipment and I'm an MD, the doctors are going to be like, well, this guy has empathy. This guy has authority. I can trust him. I should buy his medical device, right? right. Well, the CMTSE is Certified Machine Tool Sales Engineer. So if I'm going to sell machine tools or machine tool-related products, like what we sell with fixtures and chip conveyors and stuff like that. And I'm selling to people who often are like dealers of machine tools or users of machine tools or distributors for people who have machine tools. 
wouldn't it be nice to know that like, hey, I got that same degree, not really a degree, but the same accreditation as the guy or girl I'm selling to. Is that a common acronym? Like all the people in that industry, it is they like, see that acronym, do they know what it is? It is common, yes. Yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah. Okay. Our friends at AMT are kind of like the big parent of the CMTSE thing. Okay, got it. And it's really common with like machine tool dealers. Machine tool dealers, you'll see it a lot. Yeah. So. All right. So just to recap, we're talking about increasing your credibility, increasing your authenticity. Listen to making chips, number one. Shadow, like Jim mentioned, figure out some way to get out on the shop floor and, and tell somebody that you want to shadow, ask questions, go to IMTS or other local trade shows, focus on a specific niche and really get good, become an expert, like absorb the knowledge in that very specific niche so that you can become the expert there. And then the fifth thing was get some kind of credentialing. Is there anything else? Well, I just engagement, you got to immerse yourself in that world, whatever that is, whatever you decide you want to do, you need to completely immerse yourself into it Mm -hmm. and have the passion for it. Yeah, and have the passion. Because if you're not interested in it, it's never going to work, right? Right, right. Right. I thought of one more. If you're going to establish authority, a lot of times people are going to be like, okay, by what measure are you good at this? By what measure should I trust you? Mm -hmm. And having data behind it, having metrics or proof objective proof objective proof so for example for your business jason like we've lowered overall tooling spend for our clients by x percent yeah we look at we call it cost savings sure there you go and we measure cost savings or we've increased productivity by this percent or whatever it is like that's a really good way to establish authority because it doesn't make it about your opinion my opinion jim's opinion it makes it about some facts there you go i like that I think there might be a couple more, but that's all I got right now. Different ways to establish authority. So we just jumped right into this episode. We did. And I didn't expect it to happen that way, but I do have some manufacturing news and we'll kind of do this in reverse. So before we go to that manufacturing news and we end this episode. Yeah. So if you came for the manufacturing news and you had to listen to all this nonsense first, (laughs) here it is. Go ahead. So Jim, but tell me first, before we go there, what's new going on at Car Machine? We're moving next week. We're really, 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 really moving next week. It's Are you excited or nervous? Very, very bittersweet. My dad built that physically. Well, he didn't physically build it, but he contracted to build that building in 1979 when we moved in there. October of 1979, I was a very young teenager helping him move the company from Greenleaf Avenue over to Jarvis Avenue. And now to think... It's July 2021, and we're saying bye-bye, and we've got this beautiful new aerospace machine shop ready for us to come in. It's bittersweet, but it's really exciting. Everybody is very, very excited about moving in. That's great. Are you going to cry when you leave? I will not cry. I will not cry. Absolutely not cry. But you can send me donuts or flowers or whatever for the grand opening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll be there. Yeah. We're going to record at your new building. August 12th. August 12th. The next time around. I'll be there. Yeah. I'll come. Of course you will. I have to record. Even though I'm going to be on my sabbatical, I'm going to come. Are you going to be on your sabbatical August 12th? Oh, you're still doing that. Well, it's going to be a sort of sabbatical. That's what I'm calling it. Careful what you say. How long does a vacation have to be for it to become a sabbatical? At what point do you cross from vacation to sabbatical? I think after... Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So how long are you going to be gone? Well, I'm going to be like coming in and out. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll be there for the recording, but I'm going to be gone for three out of four weeks of August. Okay, wow. So, wow. So, for wow. Manufacturing, you will be missed. You can really dance. Yeah. So, for manufacturing <laughs> news, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it just sounded awesome. Oh, you've never seen all those TikToks? No. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. watch oh, TikTok. God. Oh, yeah. Well, you're the millennial here, obviously. I am the millennial. Jim yeah. has a TikTok, TikTok channel where yeah. he dances. Do you no. have a manufacturing TikTok channel? No, I do not. 
Do you have any manufacturing news? I do have manufacturing news. So manufacturing news, I thought this was interesting. The military, the United States Air Force, just announced their new B-21 Raider. Wow. Did you see that? I did not. I was watching Richard Bronson on Sunday. Oh, you were? Yes. So this is a five or 600 million heavy bomber. So I'm going to read this. It's part of the Long Range Striker Program, and it's to be an advanced, long-range, large, heavy payload, stealth, intercontinental strategic bomber for the United States Air Force, able to deliver conventional and thermonuclear weapons. It's being manufactured by Northrop Grumman. Yeah, I know those people. I mean, this will be interesting for the manufacturing community because, as you can imagine, a five or six hundred million dollar bomber that they're going to be making 80 to 100 of is certainly going to affect the economy. Our listeners will be making those parts. What do you know? Car Machine does defense work. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, you and our listeners will be making parts for that said bomber. Yeah, so I just thought it was interesting that. This is going to be a big thing. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know that we still actually manufactured bombers. I thought that was like a World War II thing, but apparently it's a real thing. And they released some artist rendering of it, which looked very interesting as well. So it's being developed with a bunch of other manufacturing companies. And the reason I bring it up, I just think it's going to be something that's going to really affect manufacturing. Yeah. Any big headline with aerospace production increase or challenges Mm -hmm. is going to be something that matters to our community. My news for the episode we're about to record is also related to airplanes. Okay, there you go. So stay tuned for more airplane news. There you go. Metalworking Nation. You probably know Zometry as a digital platform where you can get custom manufacturing on demand with instant quotes. But let me tell you about something new. Now you can source high volume projects directly from Zometry suppliers. Do you have a higher volume CNC sheet, die casting, or metal printing project? Do you need to get multiple quotes from different vendors and you have time to wait to get them? Now you can get many quotes directly from the Zometry Network suppliers. You have total control. You name your target price, your target lead time, and you directly communicate with suppliers to get the best deal. This is a new way to source bigger jobs different from instant quoting. You can upload your 2D or 3D files. So it's more than just instant quoting from Zometry. You can source high volume projects directly from the Zometry suppliers. Check it out at Zometry.com. That's X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. So Jason, we're just about out of time on this upside down episode, which is fine. We changed the show structure a little bit. He's an upside down guy. To keep you guys on your toes. Anything else you got on, uh, you want to say to the Metalworking Nation before we depart? Well, yes, Jason, but I'm just going to jump in and talk over him because that's what we do on Making Chips. We do. I would love our audience to tell us what they think of our podcast. Okay. It's important to podcasters when people make reviews and whether it's the Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. Are you pod- talking about rating and reviewing? Yeah, yeah. Go on there. Hit, give Honestly, us five stars or just I don't forget have an about Apple it. Phone though, I'm an Android guy. How do I rate if I don't have an Apple product? What do you use to listen to podcasts? Is it Stitcher? No, it is uh, Spotify. There you go. You can rate on Spotify. Can rate on Spotify. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, you okay. Can. Yeah, and that's like the currency of the podcasting world. So if you like our show, if you don't like our show, we still want to hear about it. And that helps with our credibility. Yeah, just give us five stars and then tell us why you don't like it because we don't want any one-star reviews, okay? And if you do like it, give us five stars and tell us that you do like it. That would be nice. There's also something else that the Metalworking Nation can do to make sure that they're staying on the cutting edge of information is be a subscriber to Making Chips. And all you have to do is pick up your cell phone right now 
Go to your texting app and text the word CHIP, C-H-I-P-S, to 38470. There's no charge, just normal texting applies, and you'll get a link, and it'll automatically be a subscriber to Making Chips. We'll send you an email only once a week just to let you know that a new episode has been released, what it's about, and the show notes on it. There you go. Because if you're not making chips... You're not making money. Bam. Bam! Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 